Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Full Ride with Matt Green, fellow University of North Georgia alumni. Matt Green, Matt. Good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is good to be back on this glorious Sunday it or is. Monday morning for our our pod listeners. Absolutely. It's spoopy. We got uh, some rain getting a little bit chilly. The leaves are orange and wet and on the ground. It's very uh, it's very nice uh, today. My kind of day. We haven't gotten a lot of rain. We're in a drought uh, here in East Tennessee. And it's driven me mad because I need mm. at least two to three rainy days a week uh, to keep me level. I'm a big rainy day guy. Big rainy day guy, he says. Um, oh, man, you just totally threw me off with that. Uh, what was about to ask you? Um, you, got, you got a Halloween costume? My wife has asked me all the different things that she uh, was going to get me to be, and I don't know, man. I I'm, I have not dressed up for Halloween in over a decade, at least. Um, if I'm 31. Yeah, I mean, I... I really think it was like ninth, 10th grade max of when I last actually dressed up for Halloween. I'm not a, I'm not a dress up guy, but what's weird is that I love Halloween. I love October. It's the best month of the year. Not up for debate. And it's a beautiful time, but I don't like dressing up. I've never been a big costume guy. I'm not a cosplay guy. I'm not, uh, not someone who likes to, put on the Jack Sparrow attire or go full P Diddy Combs and wear the, the Joker attire and spend like hours putting on face paint or doing this, that, it's and the other amount of effort. For yeah. Sure. It's just not for me, man. Uh, I don't know. What about you? Does Tori make you dress up? Are you going to be something tomorrow? Did you do something this no. weekend? No, but I, uh, my, I office did like a little Halloween type thing. And, um, I basically had like an impromptu costume that actually turned out pretty solid because um, it was just, it was Thursday. So I was rocking the Georgia polo. I thought you were going to say uh, you were three hole punch, Matt. It was no, I was rocking the Georgia polo and we have the the headsets at work, you know, uh, mm. in, in the, in the cubicle. Mm-hmm. And so just put on the headset, put it in my, uh, in my, in my pocket there, <laughs> carried around a clipboard, you know, mm-hmm. so I just looked like a, a football coach. So it, uh, it was a quality impromptu uh, costume, but no, I'm not. I'm not necessarily a big Halloween guy. I've definitely had my fair share of Halloween. Like if mm. I'm gonna go to a costume party, like I'll get into it. But I mean, if, if nothing, if I don't get invited to a costume party a particularly year. It's like I probably won't have a Halloween costume. Are you gonna have the light on and divvy out candy tomorrow night, or are you one of those people who turn the light off and pretend you're not home? Uh, that's a good question. Last year, I mean, we definitely had candy. And I don't know if we got one trick-or-treater. Oh, did they hear about you using the old man to cut your grass and the neighborhood? <laughs> the neighborhood's probably, like, let's just that's, not. That's probably what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, avoid that house. Did you, I need to send you the video. There's a funny video I sent in the, the family group chat and everything else, but the, the Uber Eats plane that drops off a Subway sandwich and like on, on a farm and just uh, hits this that. old guy and he just goes down and yeah, it's, it's an incredible, incredible video, but that's Matt Green with his yard where he just has uh, the retirees come out of retirement to keep his uh, HOA happy. Uh, Actually, you know, since I got the riding lawnmower, 
mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's changed the game. Now I now, mm. I, do it, now I do it all myself. You know, really, really, it's, it's a Murray. I call it I call it the Aaron Murray, the uh, the wow. riding lawnmower. That's the brand. Mm-hmm. A little little plug there for Murray. yeah, not a sponsor. <laughs> Could be, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a quality machine. <laughs> There you go. I, I cannot wait to be a riding lawnmower person, but have the acreage to do it. There, I miss yeah. that, like cutting the grass and then just doing the the father, uh, old man stare at the yard and look at the job well done and just be like, yeah, that's I'm my right. yard. Yeah, you got to uh, crack open a cold one and uh, be like, hey, yeah, Tori, come check check out the uh, <laughs> check out the edge. Mm-hmm. You like that edge, right? You know, you gotta you gotta, more, you gotta admire your work. You know what I admire, Matt Green? New edger and uh, really change the game. Or do you know what I'm going to admire on Tuesday? What's that? The Tennessee Volunteers being number one in the college football playoff rankings. Mmm, coming in hot. There's no debate. I, I think that one's actually locked up. I think Tennessee being number one in the college football playoff rankings is done. I, I don't see a I think path. So. Yeah, I think there's no path for them not to be number one in the the CFP first rankings. They are now number two, tied for number two, and they mm-hmm. more first place votes than Ohio State, though. And I feel like that's the that's the tiebreaker, right? Mm-hmm. That puts that they should be two. Ohio State should be three. But um, well, I was gonna say, what are they gonna do on Saturday? They're just gonna list for the two different games, like number two Ohio State and number two Tennessee. I'm sure they will, because I think that's how they did it with Wake Forest mm-hmm. and. Uh, Wake Forest and USC this past week were both tied at number 10. Okay. Um, but yeah, it well, actually, it's gonna be the once the playoff rankings are set, it's that's all they want to care. That's the ranking next to everybody. It's just the playoff rankings. But so, I'm saying on TV they don't put that up, do they? I think that's what everyone uses from that point on. It's like that's really the only rankings that matter. So you they, think CBS will have number one Tennessee? number two georgia on uh cbs on saturday if that is indeed the ranking i don't know if i see it that way i i mm. think do we want to give our, our top six right now at, i think we, we should do it let's do our cfp because no one cares like you said no one cares about the ap poll anymore um it's now cfp season so um how would you do it who is your top six right how about this we'll do um we'll first do what we think it's going to be and then we'll do what we would do if we were in charge of the committee so first do your top six of what you guess it's going to be on tuesday okay so my guess is i think it's going to be georgia number one Mm. uh, ohio state two tennessee three michigan four clemson five and tcu six but I, where I differ is I, I would go Georgia number one, t- mm-hmm. Tennessee. Wait, I said Ohio State too the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would put Tennessee too. But and- wait, 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 hold on. Let me like so we don't get it confused. So we'll just do the ones that you're. So you're saying one Georgia that you think that the committee will have on going, Tuesday. Yeah. You think it's gonna be one Georgia, two Ohio State, three Tennessee, four who? Michigan. Okay. Five Clemson. Five Clemson. Six, six TCU. TCU. Okay. I think it's going to be on Tuesday. One Tennessee, two Georgia, three Ohio State, four Michigan. I think it's going to be five Clemson and then six Alabama. Mm. But here's my October surprise for you guys. I could see alabama being ahead of both clemson and even michigan 
in the first year. No, not Michigan, but I could definitely see them being ahead of TCU and Clemson. TCU is not going to get any love. I don't think TCU has a chance. Like Oregon, I think is going to be ahead of them. I think USC is maybe going to be ahead of them. Resume is solid. I mean, they have wins over Kansas State and Oklahoma State at this point. Like 41-31 over West Virginia. Slow starters. Um, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of buy-in from the committee. If you have Tennessee number one, Mm. that does change. I mean, that's obviously you view them as the best team in the country. So losing to them by three points on the road, Mm -hmm. you could justify them being four or five in the country. And and it's it's Alabama. We all know it's Alabama. So, yeah, I could see them being ahead of Clemson and TCU, but but not Michigan because they've they've been dominant. I'm not picking them. I'm just saying that's like the wild card is I'm ready for – folks to get upset about where Bama is going to be placed because I think Bama is going to be higher than maybe I think you're people. right I think that's a I think that's a good point I didn't have them in my top six but I I bet you they they probably will be um and then you I personally would have Ohio State at three hmm. I, I just don't think the committee is going to have them that low I could, could even see them being number one well do your top your one through six of what you would do personally my number one would be Georgia uh, just looking at them, it just because of the offensively and defensively, like they, because we look, if you look at resumes with Georgia and Tennessee, like obviously the win over Alabama is like one of the best wins, maybe the best win in college football this year, but it is also a three point win at home. Like it's over a, a, a great team, but we've seen Alabama play a lot of close games with a, a lot of teams this year, you know? So it, like with with an Arkansas, with with a Texas A and M, so with a Texas, so it's hard to it's hard to quantify. Like, yeah, is this Alabama that's the fourth best team in the country, or is this Alabama who's more like a, a borderline top ten team? It's 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 hard to say. And then you have Georgia with wins over like a South Carolina doesn't look any doesn't look very good right now. It is a road a a, a blowout win on the road, but. The Oregon win, I mean, each week, like Oregon is showing they, they look like the best team in the Pac-12. And the way Georgia just dominated them, I, it's it's hard to say that Tennessee win over Alabama is that much better than, than Georgia's win over Oregon simply because of, I mean, they won by 46 points, right? Like they they just dominated this team that's scoring like 45 points a game. And then all of, obviously Georgia second in the country giving up like nine points a game right now. I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest difference to me with Georgia and Tennessee because Georgia's got a top 10 offense. Maybe, I mean, I think they're eighth in the country in, in scoring offense. I think they're even top five in, in terms of total offense per game. So, like, they're not right there with Tennessee because Tennessee just has a truly just special dynamic offense. But Georgia still has a very dominant offense that we, we saw the turnovers. We, we'll get to them, uh, what they did this week. But so Georgia's offense has been great, and their de- the fact that their defense has been one of the best in the country. I think that's what separates Georgia and Tennessee for me. So I personally would have Tennessee number two and Ohio State three. It just it feels like the committee not wanting the whole SEC bias kind of in their in their head. They're going to have Georgia and Tennessee at one and three, in my opinion, and Ohio State will be like in the top two most likely, and then probably Michigan at four. I think Michigan at four has kind of solidified themselves because they've looked more dominant than than Clemson. And there's, and honestly, Clemson's getting probably slept on as well because we've, we're all bashing the ACC and Wake Forest. Obviously, we'll get to them later, but they looked 
awful. We saw what they did against Clemson and, and now Syracuse dropping a week after their loss against Clemson and NC state hasn't looked like what we thought they were going to be like, it's hard to really evaluate Clemson's schedule and they've had some close games. Michigan has pretty much just been dominant each week. So I think they're a solid spot ahead of, of Clemson, but TCU honestly might have a better resume than both of them. I feel like the big 12 is just a really good conference and, I mean, TCU, like we're all talking about Tennessee's offense, but TCU is right up there with them in terms of just how balanced they are throwing, uh, passing and running to. Like, I think TCU is kind of getting slept on. And then I'm personally, I'm probably sleeping on Alabama too, because I mean, they're Alabama and it wouldn't surprise anybody if they just ran the table from here on out and won it all. So I don't know. I do. I currently have Alabama outside the top six though. Interesting. Um, it's funny because I'm like, if you had a gun to the anyone's head of like, do you really believe that Alabama is not one of the six best teams in the country right now? I think everyone would agree. No, they're they're one of the six best con- teams in the country. Like, there's no path for them not being one of the six best because like when you think about it, on a neutral field, Bama versus TCU, Bama versus Oregon, Bama versus Clemson, Bama versus Michigan. We all know they're favored in every one of those games on a neutral site. Some of them by double digits. But there's a difference between the the power ranking and the 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 Vegas odds, you know, and and just what the sport. It, it's like we have to keep keep track of like why the polls exist the way they do. It's why like number number five loses to number two by one touchdown. And it's like okay, now they're going to be number nine. It's like. Are they number nine or, or are your rankings perfect? And they're a touchdown worse than the team that's three spots higher than them. Um, so it's 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 just like the the rankings are kind of a an arbitrary thing. But it's like you just have to. This is how the rankings in college football have always. But existed. who actually believes that Alabama is not better than Michigan and Clemson? Who actually believes that to their core? Like they have this. Vin, it's just deep in their core that they're better no, i know what you mean but it's it's just it's very difficult Alabama's only loss is an unbelievable 52 49 on the road crazy number one offense in the country loss and i mean they were right there like it's a unbelievable the way tennessee won that game i just i think people have gone way too far the other way without a doubt and they missed the field goal right before i mean yeah. they won the game but it's it's just the college football rankings. This is how they exist, you know, and they it's most well, what I'm saying is this is your opportunity. You're, these are your top six. Like this is your opportunity to do your top six. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Cause it's this combination of doing the best teams versus most deserving teams. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you go back to 2018, when there was the, the conversation about uh, Georgia and Oklahoma, it's like Alabama was just so head and shoulders. The number one, they, I mean, they were talking about that being like the greatest team in sec history at that point. Uh, to his first year as the starter, just mm-hmm. scored 50 points a game on everybody. And clearly Georgia at number four versus Alabama being one was like a, a 14, 15 point dog in that game, I think. Mm. And Georgia dominated most of the game, led for like three and a half quarters and then lost at the end. So it's like you came out of this game, obviously thinking Georgia was better than you previously did, but we have to move them from four to five in our rankings because of most deserving and the big 12 champion, that sort of thing. So it's like, there's just a formula that goes with the rankings. And right now TCU is, is undefeated playing a big 12 schedule. Clemson's undefeated playing an ACC schedule. They go ahead of the team with the team with one loss. I feel like at this point, like Alabama is still number seven. And th- that that's the thing is Alabama. We just, there's a perception of what Alabama is. And in 2022, they just haven't necessarily 
just dominated everyone they've played. They played a lot of close games. And I don't know. It, like, I think we're all, you know, wondering LSU coming up, Ole Miss coming up. Like, those are some teams that can, both on the road, like, those are some teams that could give them some problems. We've seen them on the road. So there's there's the perception that is Alabama, what Vegas odds makers are going to do and what the public is going to, how the public is going to bet on Alabama. So that like lays the lines, but it doesn't necessarily mean they deserve to be ranked higher than a, a team like Clemson or TCU to this point. That's fair. So you're going to like mine one through six. I think it's one Tennessee, two Georgia, three Alabama. Oh, four. yes. Alabama. Wow. I'm doing my playoff, like who I think are the top six teams in the country right now and how I would see them in based on what I've seen to this point in the year. I would do one Tennessee, two Georgia, three Bama, four, you ready for this? Michigan, five Ohio State, six TCU. Clemson is not one of the six best teams in the country. We need to move on from this. We need to move on from the DJ Uangale time. We need to move on from Clemson winning a playoff game. We have to move on from uh, just being constricted by the Clemson aura of never losing a home game, never losing these regular season games. They just keep surviving just barely. This is not an elite football team. This is not a team that's running the college ball playoff gauntlet. TCU with that offense, do we think they're not better than Clemson right now? What more does TCU have to do? I think TCU is right. Like that's the fun conversation is what that matchup looks like on a neutral side. I would like to see TCU's offense versus Clemson's defense on a neutral neutral field but right now i lean at tcu yeah I everybody didn't make that clear i i did have tcu five clemson six yeah um i struggled the most with like michigan and ohio state but i am leaning matt green on october 31st because we're recording this now past the the mid nine hour i am leaning spooky season towards <laughs> the michigan wolverines being better than ohio state right now i think i'm leaning more and more in that direction uh, to this point, I've been more impressed of their overall body of work. I understand the schedule early on. I feel like Michigan just has a much better handle on who they are. And we'll get into Marvin Harrison who showed out this weekend. But I mean, there's there's just a little something that feels a little off with Ohio State. Just something feels a little off. And we'll see if it ultimately matters. But I don't know. I think it's a little thing to monitor is uh, Michigan. I mean, they have to go and beat them in uh, Columbus this time. but. I don't know. That's my top six. Is it spicy? That's spicy. All right. And yeah, just looking at Ohio State's schedule, like, I mean, man, this is, I know it's, it's not necessarily their fault, but this is awful. Like you got a down Wisconsin, a down Iowa, honestly, a year where you get the big 10 East and you got Wisconsin and Iowa from the West. Mm. That's probably one of the tougher big 10 schedules. And, and you play Notre Dame at a conference Notre Dame's just not a good team. Like Ohio State's defense looked good in that game, but wasn't necessarily a dominating performance by any means. And then it's like you had Penn State, and now three weeks, Northwestern, Indiana, <laughs> Maryland, and then we got the Michigan game. I, I, is that is that a 12-game season, or is that a two-game season in, in, in 13 weeks? Like it's, it's just kind of crazy. So Ohio State, it's so hard to evaluate them because so many times they – they just they don't play that difficult of a schedule, but and they, which is why it seems like but this is a pre Ryan Day thing too. Like Urban mm-hmm. under Urban Meyer, they they seem to always have that one lapse a year against inexplicably 
inexplicably against Iowa or Purdue or whoever. Under Ryan Day, they haven't really done that. They just taken care of business. I mean, Michigan was a playoff team, so that was—I mean—that was the only loss. Like, wait, they lose? Oh, they lost to Oregon as well, and that's another another really good team. Not necessarily just a a inexplicable loss or anything, but I just assume both of these teams are going to be undefeated when they meet on whatever that is, November twenty sixth, mm-hmm. and I mean that's basically a semifinal. I mean, a, I mean, who are they going to get from the West? Minnesota at this point. Wait, uh, no, they're getting uh, Illinois. Illinois, Illinois. Yeah, they're going to get Illinois. Illinois is looking solid for sure. So oh, we've done this before, though. Well, like, uh, oh, yeah. the Big Ten West. They're this one scrappy Wisconsin. They're going to exactly, dip- and the rankings will work there, and it'll be the number nine by the time the Big Ten championship works out. Like, Iowa oh, had the number what two scoring defense going into the Michigan Big Ten title game last year, and Michigan just obliterated them off the face of the earth. If Michigan or Ohio State gets Illinois, like Illinois fans. And look, Wisconsin. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like, Illinois is awesome. It's a great story, but they're getting blown out the face of the earth in the Big Ten title game against either Michigan or Ohio State. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to live in this false reality. I mean, Northwestern, well, like played them super close that year with fields. It's like, I don't know. Like Wisconsin has had their 2020 years where was like weird. 12 and 0. And that was one of them. Iowa was like top four one year mm-hmm. in the Big Ten championship a few years ago. But it's, it's, I don't know. When was the last, when was the last Big Ten West to win the uh, Big Ten? It had to be Wisconsin. Probably what, Russell Wilson days or something like that? Maybe not that long ago. It had to be Wisconsin. I just don't know which year it was i know it wasn't iowa i know it wasn't like a purdue or northwestern um, yeah that's gotta be 2020 was it one of maybe the jack cones well early yeah. I, don't know. I don't know penn state's got one in there and then just a bunch of ohio state one michigan yeah i guess the michigan state was in there a couple times too so i think it's been a while um Speaking of Michigan State, four players suspended for that brawl in the Michigan Tunnel on Saturday evening. Not a good look um, across the board. That was pretty jarring, uh, Matt Green, to actually see that yeah. actually that happened. Um, and that was that was violence. I mean, that was <laughs> assault. Like, I wonder if charges are coming because I know the police are investigating. Like, they're just suspended. I, I mean, based on the what we saw in the video. I this is not good if you're one of those Michigan State kids on video. It's it's bad. And the lack of awareness to not realize that this is wrong. And I mean, just not even in just no concept of your surroundings whatsoever. Um, just they're stupid. And then there is that level of stupidity. Like we talk about players who hit, hit each other with the helmet on, like punch somebody with another helmet in the middle of a game or something. And you're like, why are you punching up? Um, punching and jumping another team uh, while you're walking into the same tunnel with uh, reporters and cameras everywhere, thinking that that was not going to get picked up by anybody is, um, mm. oof, I don't know. This uh, That was one of the more wild things I've ever seen. So uh, I hope uh, the Michigan player, I don't remember who it was by name, who um, got stomped in that one, but I uh, hope he's going to be okay because that, uh, that was ugly and... I wonder what this means because they've James Franklin complained about the the one team tunnel a few weeks ago. We obviously had the dust up. Yeah, I remember because like they had a dust up, like the halftime dust up, and then 
Michigan proceeded Ohio to blow State. them out in the second half. Ohio mm-hmm. State, Michigan last year, they had the dust up at halftime. Michigan proceeds to blow them out. Maybe that's why Michigan doesn't want to get the two tunnels. It's like it's really working for us, actually. We're uh, we come out really hot and ready to go when uh, we have to come out together to start the second half and get in each other's faces. So those, that's going to stay. But you know, there's something cool about it. There is something cool about it, but goodness gracious, that was uh, that was rough. Um, Hugh Freeze got. Have we, oh, yeah. have we come up with like a catchy name for it? Uh, like the Malice at the Palace. Like have we? Is it a, is something at the big house? Can we can we come up with something? That's your that's your your assignment for the week. I'm not a headline guy. That's one of the things. If I ever get an intern to write headlines for these posts, for headlines for my articles, like that. I don't have that gift. I, I'm not good at the whole headline thing. That's not not my jam, unfortunately. Um, Hugh Free signed a long-term extension with Liberty, and I, I don't know what that means. He's having a great year again, uh, losing. He's on, like, quarterback number three. Uh, ranked. Yeah, I mean, he's just – Hugh Freeze. it's never been about the coach. The dude knows offense. The dude knows how to coach. But I think if you're an Auburn fan, you're wondering. It's like, I wonder, wonder what his buyout is to bring him in. Because, I mean, that if you can't get Lane Kiffin, I think Hugh Freeze is probably your number one option. But I feel like Hugh Freeze has Auburn written all over him. Right? That's just He just seems – I don't know. He's got the – to start with, he's got the Alabama uh, recipe. Like, mm-hmm. this guy knows how to beat Alabama. That's that's my resume. Slam it on the on the table. 2014-2015 Alabama games. That's, that's my resume, sir. I'm curious to see if he sticks around long term because he's been on the rehab tour up there with his image and everything like that to hide away and um, for everything that happened back at Old Miss to be – long and forgotten and he just keeps winning games and keeps i mean he has turned liberty into a premier g5 school um on the football field but i am curious how long he ultimately stays away because he just doesn't strike me as someone who doesn't want to get back and play big time college football again and we're not to say that liberty is not big time football but there's obviously a ceiling and if he ever wants to win a national title he's gonna have to jump back however Mm -hmm. this 12 team playoff era i think this could potentially change everything in terms Mm. of if there's playoff access from other conferences that aren't traditional power five conferences like those jobs now become more attractive than the seventh or eighth or ninth best job in the sec right like or the 10th best job in the sec like yeah the money might be better but i could actually get into the playoff i could you know, like create a, like we've seen basketball programs like the Butlers, like the Gonzagas, like you don't necessarily need to be in those big conferences to to have a, a, a perennial contender. So I don't know. I think the, the playoff could really change. Like when we were evaluating what UCF and like uh, Auburn were like with, with Gus Malzahn like a year ago, I think when it turn when it comes to like which one can make the playoff better, like it's it's kind of hard when you when you start comparing them that way. So I would have to think if the SEC comes knocking, Hugh Freeze is gonna jump ship at whatever SEC money he can get. But I don't know, like with the transfer portal and NIL and all that, like it, it I don't know, it kind of changes the game. Like he just had a a first second round talent at quarterback come through Liberty, so it's. I don't know. It, it, I'll, we'll see what happens. I think 
the part about like getting in and having a seat at the table matters, but ultimately you still can't run the gauntlet. So it's like, you're not, nothing really changes with them getting in. Like, yeah, you can raise the banner that we made the playoff and that we may have upset somebody, but Liberty's hey, George, not rolling George off. Mason got to the final four, sir. We both know college football Loyola, doesn't work like that. Loyola, Chicago. So you heard it here happen. first. Matt Green wants Mount Union uh, in there, or Mount Vernon. What's the the uh, FCS three? That's, uh, that's he wants the Blue Raiders. Is that what they are? Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah, he wants them um, in there, and he wants to see what happens. Like it's any given Saturday. You never know. They could walk into uh, the big house and upset Michigan, and then the following week go to Tuscaloosa, beat the Tide. Like that's what uh, that's how college football works. Hey, in two thousand six. The Boise State Broncos knocked off the Big 12 champion Oklahoma Sooners. All right, sir. Speaking of the Boise State you Broncos, you never know. Undefeated in the Mountain West, and like Hank Bachmeyer, like quit the team midseason. Uh, OC got fired, and Andy Avalos got them rolling. One loss. Uh, shout out to the Broncos. They're quietly figuring it all out uh, up there in Boise. Uh, he's gonna be interesting portal name to watch this winter. He was, I think, the highest recruited quarterback Boise's ever gotten um well matt green um oh one final thing uh vince dooley legendary georgia football coach mm. passed away uh this past week um at the age i believe 90 correct that is correct i learned vince my dad dooley. had a class with her at georgia or his daughter excuse me at georgia in accounting uh said she was super nice i never met mm. vince dooley personally um so i can't speak to him personally but uh by all accounts classy dude um loved georgia and uh you know won a national title great for a long time great ad uh which was is a rare feat to be able to do both jobs uh extremely well but he was able to do it um but yeah what are your your thoughts on the passing of vince dooley what's your favorite vince dooley moment Ooh, well obviously uh vince dooley was a little ahead of my time so Mm. uh it's I can't speak personally to him being the the UGA head coach, but everyone loved Vince Dooley. He's just uh he's just the classic uh no no nonsense all, the all shucks type of coach. Like every uh ev- every game we like approach every opponent like they were the same regardless if they're like the worst team on the schedule. Like oh you know they can do some things you know this, they might they might could beat us like kind of talked everybody up like that but yeah man uh, i know tori had some sort of experience with vince dooley like a few years ago at some some function she had him like sign a book and stuff but uh yeah uh everyone i've ever i've heard of them met uh vince dooley uh say he was a super nice guy so shout out to uh, a, a hashtag damn good dog vince dooley for sure there you go dooley field at sanford stadium absolutely um Matt Green, is it time for our recap show? You ready? Uh, yeah, let's do it. You want me to hit you with the uh, with with the hardcore numbers here? I don't a hundred percent know how I did, so yes, please, please do so. Uh, was not necessarily your best week on oh, the no. season, so I did make up a little ground against the spread. Uh, not overall, unfortunately, but okay. So you went seven and four overall mm. um, for the third straight week. Both of us went seven and four mm. overall. Actually, what is that? Seven of the last eight weeks, you have gone seven and four. Mm. That's like a 
a baseball team. You know, just take two out of three every series. You look up at the end of the year, you'll you'll be where you want to be. It makes it uh, nearly impossible for you to play catch up. Without a doubt. So I've gone seven and th- four, uh, three consecutive weeks as well. Mm. You went four, six, and one against the spread this week. Georgia Bulldogs, 22-point favorite, winning by exactly 22. Mm. Uh, I don't know, p- public service announcement, whatever you want to call it, grinds my gears. Every spread should be a half point. We need a hook, a yeah. hook on every single line. But none of these ties. Why, why do, who, wants a, who wants a tie? Garbage. That's fair. Um, grinds my gears. Uh, so you were four, six, and one against the spread. I was six, four, and one against the spread. So made up a couple games there. So you guys still have a four game lead against the spread. You are 51, 48, and three to my 47, 52, and three. Um, and then overall, you are 73 and 29 to my 63 and 39. So you got a solid 10 game lead here with what is this four more weeks and conference championship five more weeks so yeah and then zeus this week texas a&m aggies home dog of the week couldn't quite get it done although was it was there another home dog that we we picked uh was correct no we gave him a double one last week i I don't think this past week you gave him two we did pick we did did pick penn state to uh to cover as a home dog but kansas state i guess was actually favored by the end of Mm -hmm. it um but yeah so unfortunately zeus took the loss so he's at five and five on the season so we'll we'll see if he can bounce back uh week 10 we wait all year for football season and it's about to be week 10 it's wild it is. It moves on, but we're, I mean, it's not like Cotterwell's over. We still got, like, this is the stretch run of the, the next month, and uh, this is going to be fun. Like, you got four Saturdays in a row where it's just uh, do or die time. We're now uh, in the, I mean, Cotterwell, I could tell folks, is like Game of Thrones. It's, um, it's very different than the pros in a lot of ways, but uh, it's a lot of world building, and it's not fair. It's ugly. There's a lot of massacres, and... Uh, you know, a lot of houses try to rise up and then they're just destroyed by the bigger houses. And sometimes those little houses uh, surprise folks. But there is a, a wall in Alabama, a Georgia or a Tennessee Volunteers that comes for them all. And the Tennessee Volunteers as the best team in the country with the best resume in the country right now. They blow out the Kentucky Wildcats 44 to 9. No second half shenanigans that those dogs in Jacksonville dealt with. Uh, just a, a scary scene uh, in, in Jacksonville for Georgia fans as <laughs> they all took Twitter.com very, very nervous about the uh, second half comeback from the Gators. And I was uh, nice and cozy under my blanket watching touchdown after touchdown and Danico Slaughter laying the wood and, uh, you know, we, we just, it was, a, it was a pleasant, spooky evening as all of Twitter is just all in on the balls, the pageantry, the fireworks, the looks, the uniforms, everything's coming up Tennessee <laughs> orange. It's oh, what a time to man. be alive, Matt Green. We have the basketball team trolling the Kentucky fan base over uh, when they got their rings uh, they Tennessee saved the ring ceremony the SEC title ring ceremony for this game just for the basketball team to be able to like wave and uh, troll the Kentucky fans who made the trip 
uh, to Nealon because uh, people forget Rick Barnes owns John Calipari. Um, Matt Green, I think we have to start with the Vols, 44 to 6. And it's so funny that we take it for granted because it was a quiet 44 points. That's where Tennessee is at. Like their points per game went down like a little under a point for this performance this week. They were over 50 last week, and I think they were like 49 point something, but still number one in the country. And they stumbled into it. There was a moment where Hypel had to punt deep in Kentucky territory and took a, a delay game they didn't want to do. Um, they missed a field goal um, badly in Chase McGrath. It, again, like I tell folks, it's unbelievable that he hit that one against Alabama. That's just <laughs> based on what we've seen, uh, the full body of work that continues to amaze me to this day that that thing sailed through the knuckleball, sailed through the uprights. But um, Tennessee kind of sleep, uh, sleepwalk on offense. Uh, Cedric Tillman was back for this one. He was not himself, obviously not really going deep. It wasn't, uh, that kind of game for him. Brew McCoy. Um, he, he's like the most quiet receiver where he'll just have eight catches for 97 yards or nine catches for 130, And it doesn't feel like it in the stat sheet, but you know, they didn't run the ball, uh, particularly well, uh, Jalen Wright averaged 10 yards to carry, but he got, didn't have nearly as many carries as Jabari small who didn't really break anything. Hinton hooker didn't really have any big runs. Um, it was just Jalen Hyatt. It was still Jalen Hyatt who broke Tennessee's scoring record, um, with, uh, what is it? 15 now? Uh, I think touchdowns on the year. He was unguardable again, and just nobody has an answer for Jalen Hyatt out wide um, when he's lined up behind Cedric Tillman in those slot positions. And it's just, he's a really, really hard player to cover. And it's the safeties got lost a couple times against uh, in the Kentucky game, and it cost them dearly. But uh, Dejon Terry was awesome uh, defensive line. And this was one of those interesting games for me because. This is the one what makes you believe a little bit more about Georgia is the defense coming to play. And we have not seen that kind of defense from Tennessee all season long. And to keep ten, like I understand Tuggy's offensive line's not great, but they really tormented Will Levis. Like Will Levis was a turnover machine, making bad decisions. Like the pressure was on. Like Tennessee, Byron Young had a sack and a half. Guys were getting home. And that was the best defensive performance of the season for Tennessee. And I think that was more of the story where I think if the offense plays at their normal pace and what they are normally able to do, they put up 60 at 70, maybe like this, this was not a great offensive performance from Tennessee and they still dropped 44 and it was just without breaking a sweat. But um, I said on the pod that I didn't see, I saw this game going the same way as the LSU game. And uh, that was basically the case, but uh, the offense was much better than the LSU game. It was more of uh, the defense in this one, which, uh, came to play and they just they're growing in confidence week over week what did uh what did you make of it Matt Green yeah I think I, I agree in terms of uh, I think the defense was the most impressive performance about this game to me for Tennessee obviously the offense offense still put up 44 points but uh it was Kentucky's just inability to do anything to, uh offensively because I felt like in the first half, Kentucky really hung right there with with Tennessee. The the turning point was really that interception uh, in the red zone that they were turned out to like midfield or something. Mm. Like that that's a that's a seven points that Kentucky's got to put on the board down twenty to six to stay in the game. And then when Tennessee was just able to steal seven points right before the half, that uh, blown coverage to make it what twenty eight six, twenty seven six going to the half. Then it just felt like that's game over. Like this, 
but but to have them 20 points, you know, basically going into the half, like 30 seconds left in the half, like that's that's a quality, that's a quality two quarters if you're Kentucky. You can think you can muster up more than six points against what's been a questionable defense most of the season. So Will Levis is just how long are we going to keep doing this? You know, he's not that guy. Like he's he was under a lot of pressure in this one, but he's just he he's not this first round pick that everyone makes him out to be. It's like I think we talked about this before the season. Like we're the media, the the pro scouts and everything are going to make us sound like Will Levis haters. He's just not that guy. He's like he's a solid player, but he's he's not this first round pick. So it's turning a bunch of people into just end up hating on Will Levis, but uh, it's just unfair. I feel like expectations kind of put on him, uh, but this, this holding this Kentucky team, like basically the exact formula Kentucky needed to win this game was the opposite of what happened in this game. Like mm-hmm. even Tennessee had, had a 15 play drive where they, they took five, six minutes of the clock. Like Kentucky, I think almost like 30, 35 carries or so averaging three yards a carry, like, they just didn't really do it. And they have to, they have to stay committed to the running game because that is their offense. And Will Levis with three picks. It's just they really couldn't get anything going uh the last two and a half quarters of this game. That's fair. And 98 I mean, passing yards. Like, what is that? Here is my thing, and the real football stuff did not help. Just rat poison for Tennessee this week when you're calling it real football. It's like, no, this is this is real football. And this is what I've been saying for weeks. When you hear teams and they're like, we don't need to score 50. We're going to like when you saw the match, it was like, will Tennessee uh, keep their 35 points or more streak alive or will Kentucky keep their 24 under? It's like we know the answer to this question. The, the, the game plan to beat Tennessee is not like Alabama's top six in scoring defense right now. I don't know if people are looking at it. They're giving a point 19 a game like they dropped 52. Um you're going to have to put up points. Like there's no path to you beating the Hendon hooker and Jalen Hyatt and this offense without putting up a bunch of points. Like punting is not an option. Like there's, you cannot have possessions where Kentucky did get some stops in this one though. They did like Kentucky. It's a weird game because Kentucky did not play awful. The score was awful. It was more Levis. It was more the offensive line. Chris Rodriguez going out in the second half really hurt them too. But I mean, you missed the extra point. They had a bad drop um, early in this one that could have kept their drive going. But, I mean, certain things, just bad luck where the Danico slaughter hit and then an interception because he just hit him so hard. The ball bounces up and Jawan Mitchell takes it back. Like, those are just game-shifting plays. But it goes back to the broader point, which is, like, Kentucky wanted to dictate how they wanted to go. That first drive for them that scored, and they thought they were going to play like that. And it's just... That is not how you're going to beat Tennessee. Like, this is a preview for Georgia this week. Like, anyone who thinks Georgia's defense is keeping Tennessee under 35, like, it's going to be like last year's Georgia-Tennessee game. You're just wrong. Like, that's not how it's going to go. And I think if you even ask Kirby to this point, he would tell you, like, yeah, we're going to have to score 49. Like, we're going to have to score 45. Like, he's not going to be breathing comfortably or feeling okay if he's looking at the scoreboard and we're at the top of the fourth quarter and it's like Georgia's got 28 points doesn't matter like you just don't want to be in that spot um if you're the dogs or anybody against this offense and i think that is the thing to watch is tennessee dictates the style of play each week and there's no stopping it hinden hooker is the heisman favorite jalen hyatt 
is absolutely bonkers. They're doing all this without a healthy Cedric Tillman. There's just so many ways for them to slice and dice you. Jalen Wright has the best after contact ability of any running back I've seen in years. I cannot wait to see him continue to get better and better because he had some absolutely bonkers runs where he was able to stay on his feet in this one. He's a, There's a reason he was on the freaks list by Bruce Feldman this offseason in the athletic. He's a star in the making. It's just you're going to have to put up a lot of points in this idea that like that Kentucky was going to dictate uh, tempo and like people worrying about time and possession. Time and possession does not matter. If you're keeping track of, oh, the dogs are keeping uh, Tennessee off the field for a lot of this game, great. Doesn't matter. That's time not how you beat was, them. Time possession most certainly matters. Oh, no. Kentucky just doesn't have a good offense. Or no, their offense Tennessee had doing. the ball for, what, 22 minutes against Alabama and scored 52 but, points? But I'm saying it doesn't not matter. If you're a team, that's I like, think Tennessee. It doesn't matter. I think they're that's one the of the only few way that doesn't to matter. But I'm saying that's one of the only ways you can combat a team that scores quickly like that. Like Kentucky just wasn't able to to execute what their what we said their game plan had to be, which is run the ball and play good defense, get some stops, and keep the ball out of their hands. Like, but that's not what I said. I said they have to feed Barry and Brown. I said they have to go deep. They have to feed Brown, Key. Like, but deep. that's not realistic. Kentucky yeah. is, isn't going to be able to get into a shootout and and stop and be able to compete with Tennessee. Like they, they essentially have to play their style. And I feel like someone like Georgia, who you've seen run the ball better as far as this season, obviously they've made uh, explosive plays in the past game as well scored a lot of points offensively, but they've, they, I feel like running the ball and keeping him and hookers offense off of the field. I feel like that's, it's one of the only ways you can beat this team. I mean, their, their offense is that good. I would say you want them on the field. I think if you want to see Tennessee being like a struggling Tennessee team, they've been on the field too long. Like if their drives are going and they're not getting any big plays, if their time possessions high. That means they have not had the big scores. That means they have but not. But even better, if they're having to to drive for six, seven minutes on you, and you're taking, you're driving six, seven minutes on them. That's, that's what you want entire, to do. That's an entire quarter of two possessions. That's what I'm saying. So I think the only way to beat a team like Tennessee is to try to keep the offense off the field. I mean, they're or they're keep 50, Tennessee's offense on the field. Just fifty play. Them. I mean, yeah, you have to limit the big plays because mm-hmm. that's what they've done to everybody. Just the the fifty yard gashes. I mean, I don't know how long the the one to Hyatt was right there before the half, but like just, just two huge plays. I mean, for, I think Kentucky pretty much played a good defensive first half and you have, you give up two 50 yard touchdowns and now you've given up 27 points just like that. Tennessee's number one in 40 plus yard pass plays uh, this season. Um, They have 19 plays of 40 plus yards. They have 10 plays of 50 plus yards. Um, The next closest is Memphis at 13. Like it's just a different, it's a different animal. Tennessee is um, an outlier in a lot of ways. And I'm trying to find where Georgia is on this because I feel like I haven't seen a big Georgia pass play through the hour outside of like Bowers. Where is Georgia on this list? How far down? What would you guess? Oh, my goodness. Okay, what would you guess? Where would you guess Georgia is on 40 plus yard passing plays? Oh, probably not very high. Um, I can think of, I mean, only a few Bowers plays off the top off the top of my head. Um Two. They're 118th in the country in uh, 40 mm. yard passing plays. Do you know what that speaks to? And this is something I've said. Is Eddie Mitchell, are we sure he exists? Are we sure? Uh, well, he's been hurt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, is he ever coming back? What, no, what is Karis Jackson going to be? What is everything comes down to Washington and Bowers, who are unbelievable in their own right. But like, 
I don't know, man. A lot of Lad McConkey expectations going into Saturday. And yeah, Athens. and Lad McConkey since that Kent State game where he just played like the worst game of his career. Been good. Like he hasn't been like what he was. He doesn't seem mm. to. He doesn't seem to be what like uh, as as explosive an athlete as he was uh, uh, the year before. And I think he. I think there was even a punt return that he wasn't on, if I'm not mistaken, this this past week. But hmm. um, the the one thing I think that gets overlooked, as long as Georgia would would use him this way, is I've heard a lot about Georgia doesn't have a number one receiver. Like they can't win because they don't have a number one receiver. Well, hold on, let's let's move to let's let's hold this. Let's hold let's move to Georgia and Florida. Okay, let's tie yeah. this into Georgia and Florida. So yeah, just looking at Georgia and Florida, obviously. Um, I think Georgia's offense looked pretty much dominant in this one um, in the first half up 28, three. And then you saw the turnovers happen. And this is, I mean, this is probably at least the third game I can think of with Missouri and Kent state. And now this one where you turn the ball over there's those three games. I think alone, Georgia has like eight or nine turnovers, like over half the turnovers on the season. And you, you let, you can let teams play with you. So uh, I think it was, you know, one of the interceptions, I, I guess it's hard to take anything away. I think the last interception was just was a bad throw and a good play by the defender. The first interception, like you just got to tip your cap to the, to, to the defensive player on that one, like just took it out of his hands, like it got defeated. Um, and then the fumble force, like that's a forced turnover on, on Florida's part. But it's uh, you, you can't you can't turn the ball over like that against good teams and expect to win. And so Georgia was really cruising in that one. Uh, until that point and so it was good to see like okay there's adversity Florida made it 28 20 um in this one and then Georgia pulled away but uh but what I was gonna say I, I've heard a lot about the like the number one receiver thing and I think like it's a concern of Georgia like you know opening teams up vertically but Brock Bowers call him whatever you want to call him the guy is a number one receiver like this guy He's, he's one of the best players in the country. And I, I wish Georgia would just start using him uh, the way teams use running backs because, I mean, he's he's that good. Like, this guy should touch the ball 15 times a game. Give it give him five carries. Give him 10 cut touches a game. Like, he's, he's that good of a player. And so I, I wish – I mean, you saw in this game uh, we had five catches for 150 yards. Well, I was going to ask you, was this his best game of the year? I feel like it was. I think the South Carolina game was his best mm. game. That's where he had the rushing touchdown and I think like over a hundred yards uh, receiving as well. But, but yeah, and this, this was definitely a big game for him. And and you're seeing Darnell Washington too. Mm. Darnell Washington, I think might be the second best player on this offense. Like he, this guy, I'm, you can't really convince me that there's a, a tight end, a second tight end in the country. That's better than Darnell Washington. Honestly, mm. this guy is, just a monster uh, blocking. He catches basically everything that's thrown to him. He did drop one in this game. That was another thing. Stetson seemed to miss some throws, but also there were some drops by McConkey and Washington. So I feel like it. this offense just needs to be more crisp. It's like you're saying that after they scored 42 points uh, versus Florida and Jacksonville, right? Like we're talking about a 22-point win in Jacksonville. Like – you know, I don't know. Georgia not necessarily as dominant as I kind of wanted them to look. But, I mean, that's kind of where we are with Georgia's uh, program. Uh, the one thing the last few weeks is you're, uh, after struggling early in the season, I think Georgia's really hitting their stride running the ball. 
Uh, I think Kendall Milton, I think he's still hurt. I'm not sure if he's hurt or if he's just fallen down the depth chart that that far, but I think he's basically fourth on the depth chart at this point. And it's, it's, you're seeing, I think you saw when the game was in balance, I thought it was really interesting. I feel like it was a lot of Kenny McIntosh. He seemed like the head and shoulders, number one guy getting all of the carries until the second half, you saw more of Dejon Edwards and then Branson Robinson kind of closing it out in that like Elijah Holyfield role, like fourth quarter, just come in and start running hard and run it, throwing people down. Um, but yeah, Not really I mean, the same size though. Not really the they, same. I feel like they're probably similar. They're probably same height. Brian Swarms has probably yeah. got like another 20, 30 pounds on him. He's if uh, that I would say more like 40. If he Dejon Edwards is not a not a no, thick I dude. was saying I was saying um Branson Robinson compared okay. to Holyfield. Okay, Branson uh, Robinson. I thought you were saying Dejon Edwards. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Branson Robinson, he's a he's a stud. But yeah, Edwards with over hundred yards and two touchdowns, McIntosh with 90 yards, two touchdowns. So yeah, I think you still they still clearly need AD Mitchell back. And I it, it was unfortunate because I felt like Georgia's uh receiving core coming into the year was really deep with like solid receivers, but there wasn't there wasn't one that was nearly as good as A.D. Mitchell. And if he was going to miss some time, that might throw off the passing game. You've at least seen some of the tight ends step up. But you, you can tell Georgia does need a guy out wide, I think, uh, to to stretch defenses. And A.D. Mitchell was that. And so I'm hopefully can be back uh, for the, the Tennessee game remains to be seen. I'm not I'm not that confident. Nolan Smith was another one that got hurt in this Florida game. Um, I don't know if he he was at he just was in street clothes for the rest of the game, but I don't know if that's precautionary or if he's in jeopardy of missing the Tennessee game as well. But uh, yeah, I think I mean outside of the third quarter, this game was 35, uh, 35 to three. So F- Florida just got the momentum there in the third quarter, but uh, I think I think Georgia pretty much took care of business. So we don't have a lot of. Uh, a lot of mutual data points for, for Georgia and Tennessee to this point, which is, which is kind of interesting. It's pretty much Florida. Is that the only common opponent they've played to this point? I mean, um, Tennessee hasn't played Vanderbilt or South Carolina mm-hmm. or Missouri. So, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to say. So Georgia 23 touchdown win, uh, neutral site, Tennessee, what five point win at home. So same kind of thing though. Property. It was it was Florida did make it look close uh, near mm-hmm. the end there, but we'll uh we'll we'll see what happens. Anthony Richardson, I feel like they were he was getting more design runs in this game, which is mm-hmm. it's like I don't know why that wouldn't be one of the three plays you called like like every every series, a design run for Anthony Richardson. It's clearly his strength. But uh yeah, he's He's a dynamic athlete, but you just other than the the one big touchdown, which it looked like really the safety trying to jump the route and and didn't get it. So it gave an 80, 70, 80 yard touchdown. But other than that, it's like Anthony Richardson just didn't. He just doesn't really every so many deep balls just look like uh, you're just throwing up a prayer. Like there was one like second and 10 middle of the second quarter. He's just scrambling and just throws like a 70 yard Hail Mary. And it's like what was that play? Like, I don't even understand why you just threw a Hail Mary in the middle of the second quarter, but I don't know. He's, he's got talent. And I, 
I've I've heard Florida fans talk about like I just you think he'll come back next year? It's like I don't know where he's gonna go. Is unless he's gonna unless he's transferring. I mean, this guy clearly has a, a whole lot to improve on. I felt like in the first two quarters of this game, I didn't know how good Georgia looked or how just like how just inept Florida kind of looked for like they just I don't know. They they were they did not look like a competitive team until they really were not a competitive team for anything but like a, a 10 minute stretch in the third quarter. So I don't know. Florida's got a, Florida's got a long way to go. South Carolina took a step back this week. So I thought that was going to be a tough game for Florida. Now I'd have no idea what to expect, but still with AM, South Carolina, Florida State, there's I mean, there's still some tough uh obstacles that I think I, I don't know if Florida's better than than either any of those teams. I have my receipts on this podcast. My South Carolina, my Kentucky, <laughs> my Mizzou, my Florida takes. They're just go back on the pod, folks. They're right there. They're they're right there. It's just um man, just not in the same ballpark as Tennessee, Georgia. It's a different game. But like you said, I don't even care about the data points that much. I wonder the other subtle part of this game, um, I thought, and it's interesting you didn't really mention this part was Stetson throwing two picks. Stetson could have thrown more for folks who watch this game. He was, he struggled. Um, I would say more than I've seen Stetson and I'm pro Stetson on this podcast. And I'm so Georgia fans don't come after me for this. I've said, and Matt Green, you can test to this, that Stetson and Hendon have been the best two quarterbacks in the SEC this year. I, and especially going into the year and just the efficiency stuff and everything else. Like they both deserve a lot of respect and all that. I just think I it's would, not I, the best time for him to look the way he's looking right now. I would, if I'm a Georgia fan, you're like, this is not the time when it, it's just one of those things where I think Stetson, it's not his fault where if Brock is not there or Darna Washington's not there and guys are not open. Cause like you said, lad is not who he's been. No AD Mitchell. He needs to throw people open. And it seems like that's not, him right now that's not what's happening but because georgia is so good running the football they had over 200 what was it 235 yards i think they ran 6.8 yards per carry or something it's florida they have a multitude of backs that they can throw at you the thing is tennessee has a top 10 rush defense in the country we'll see how what happens there but i think for tennis for georgia to beat tennessee next saturday i think those picks cannot happen. Like what we saw where you got yourself in a hole. Will Levis, those couple picks against Tennessee will bury you. That will bury you against this Tennessee team because of just you you can't you can't throw away offensive possessions like that against the vaults. You just can't. And I'm curious what they clean up um, or what they learned uh, from Florida to kind of get ready for this and get Stetson's head right I, I don't know like what did you see do you think Stetson had a bad sneaky bad game in this one I felt like some of the first half struggles I kind of put more on some of the drops mm. uh, from the receivers because I feel like there was a couple what could have been some big plays uh, offensively obviously I mean kind of got lucky with the and then the, the one pick in the first half too was I mean, was really a perfect throw he made to Dominic Blaylock and a, a pretty nice like back shoulder catch Dominic Blaylock made. And then the, the defender kind of flipped over him and took the ball at the same time. Like it, that was a kind of an incredible catch, but um, uh, or incredible interception. But 
I felt like in the second half he did seem to miss some throws and just some some throws he, he that he just needs to be making. Like you said, with Tennessee, this being like potential number one versus number two matchup, like college game day, like game of the year, like you want to see a Georgia offense a little more crisp than what it was. And, and Can I give you a Stetson Florida stat for you? I know you like this. I'm going to see if you'll guess this, if you if this sounds right to you, based on what you've seen from Stetson, the full Florida experience. His career stats against UF. I think I know what you're going to say, but yeah, go ahead. 34 of 73 for 47% completion percentage, 555 yard passing yards, four TDs, and five picks, two wins and one loss. That's yeah, kind of wild. 2020, uh, George got off to the good start up 14-0, mm. and then he did separate his shoulder in that one, but then threw yeah. a couple picks. It might Juan, just be a Florida thing. Juan Mathis came in, but yeah, and then last year he did throw a couple picks, and one of his picks is what led to the whole <laughs> – the whole downfall there at the end of the second quarter when George went from three to three to zero to 24 to zero in like a minute and a half. But um, yeah, he definitely uh, didn't play his best at uh, in the, in the cocktail party, but two wins, that's what quarterbacks are pretty much measured off on. So especially a Georgia quarterback winning in Jacksonville, you, uh, you can't really beat that, but um, yeah. Well, I let think me just say, like, if Stetson has two picks against Tennessee on Saturday, Georgia is not winning this football game. Like, let me just go ahead and pin that, like, Georgia fans. Just get ready. Like, that, he cannot have that. He just can't. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, you can't give a team like Tennessee uh, multiple... Um, Extra uh, possessions. possessions. Yeah, exactly. So... I don't know. We'll we'll uh we'll see what happens. We got time to, to break that one down, but but yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, obviously Florida gave him a scare in the third quarter, but I think for the most part, you saw this offense moving the ball pretty well. So it's also, hard Jalen to Carter know. was awesome. Like I don't know if you watched some of those Jalen Carter snaps, but I don't know how you blocked Jalen Carter. Like there was some stuff yeah. where I was rewinding, and Jalen Carter's just he's a monster. And ultimately, that's how Georgia is going to have to beat Tennessee. It's going to mm. be have to be their defense making more plays than. Than Tennessee's deep. Well, defensive line specifically. I think it's yeah. just them getting through and hitting Hendon. Like if Hendon and, is getting shook and he's having to make quick throws or he's getting hit while he's throwing and then a Georgia defender, like, I mean, Keely Ringo just bounces into the picture and returns it for six. That's how you really interrupt this Tennessee offense. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and the I think they're, they had three sacks in this one. They were mm-hmm. last in the SEC in sacks coming in uh, to this one. But they, I can't remember where I saw the stat. Uh, in terms of pressure generated uh, without blitzing, they're top five nationally. And so I mm. think that goes a long way to potentially defending Tennessee's uh, ridiculous offense. It's just well, can I throw this at you? And they can they keep guys in coverage, keep the the big plays from happening, and, and not have to not have to blitz. I heard Staples uh, on this show today. He. Uh... He said that, and I thought this was interesting because I was wondering, like, I was galaxy braining it of like, do you want, if you're a Tennessee fan or a Georgia fan, do you want to drop this game on Saturday, avoid the SEC title game, and just go in um, and take your chances on 11 and 1 um, to make the playoff? And what he said was something I hadn't really considered, but I think, I guess, when you really consider both resumes, Tennessee wins, even if they lose, and obviously you take care of business against South Carolina, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. But, like, even if you lose to Alabama in the SC title game, you're making the playoff. Like, if you beat Bama and Georgia in the regular season and you take care of business the rest of the way and you finish the regular season 12-0, and you're in the playoff. Like, it's done. The SEC team that finished 12-0 and in the regular season is making the college football playoff, which I hadn't considered. Without a doubt, because if, if they beat Georgia, like, they're mm. not 
Georgia's not getting in ahead of Tennessee. Yeah, it's just, it's, it can't happen. So it's like this idea that it's better to not make the play. Like the only way that the, the loser of this game doesn't get or can get to the playoff is if it's Tennessee, obviously, because they have mm. that, that win over Alabama. But and, and the, but their entire season hinges on Georgia also beating Alabama. Because yep. if, if, if Alabama beats Georgia, well, then you're just kind of fucked. You're not getting yeah. three. You're not getting three SEC teams. Mm-hmm. in. like as, as cool of an idea as that might be. <laughs> Even um, though we would all, we don't even you, really want that. Honestly, we want to see if the best of the SEC first, the best of other conferences. Like especially if we've seen these Tennessee matchups with both of these teams, but uh, we're a long way from that. So I, I just I think if if Georgia wins on, on well, we can we can get to we can yeah. we still got a whole week to get to Georgia. So yeah, we can. Uh, I don't know whatever the last thing you were gonna say. No, that's that's good. We're yeah, we we just we we're chomping at the bit to talk Georgia Tennessee. Yeah, um, without a doubt. A pod, think, div- as far a pod as I know, divided. Biggest, biggest game in Sanford Stadium. Then I it's like the million dollar question this week. I expect yeah. Claude Felton, the <laughs> the uh, renowned SID, to uh, come up with a stat of top three, top five matchups or something. But yeah, I haven't seen anything. But I mean, it's the biggest biggest game in Sanford Stadium I can I can think of. I think it's the biggest one ever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one, two, like you're uh, enjoy it, folks. I don't know that's, when it's going to, when it's going to be like this ever again. The CFP committee, that's why they need to make it one and two. These teams are about to play this week. Just make them one and two. It makes it sexier. We all know that. Let's hype up the fight. Let's, let's promote this thing. Let's inflate the rankings here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that leaves us like nine minutes to talk about the other games that happened this week. <laughs> um, well, Penn State, uh, they, ball to ohio state in the second half it got ugly in a hurry that's the kind of the story of this weekend for some teams it got ugly in a hurry um for a lot of these like kentucky got ugly in a hurry for them they were hanging with them penn state they were hanging for a little bit then it got ugly wake forest was hanging with them and then it got ugly oklahoma state you're like wait 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 oh then it got ugly um so that was kind of uh the the case all over the board but uh, for penn state I just don't understand why they don't have the horses to finish any of these big second half games. Um, Alex Kirshner uh, splits undo a tweeted quote. It gets way, 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 way worse than Sean Clifford, but I think it's a fair criticism of Franklin that he's been on Penn state administration uh, to give him more so they can be like Ohio state. And at the same time, he makes this QB decision for this many years and it works out like this. I mean, Penn state led 21 16 with, uh, 926 to play matt green um and then ohio state scored four touchdowns down the stretch like that's just it's a gut punch man if you're a penn state fan because you just feel so stinking close and then the rugs just pulled out from under you pick six clifford had several picks in this one i thought the biggest takeaway is marvin harris harrison jr might be the best receiver in the country um so he's just uh when jackson smith and jigba is right like i don't i don't know what you're doing with these guys like they're just, just, un- just they're their new one receiver is, is just the best receiver in the country for like yeah. five years running it's just insane but penn state usually if you hold ohio state to 16 points for three quarters you have a really good shot of winning this football game the final yeah. score does not match how this game went but i just feel like if i'm a penn state fan i'm i'm gutted what did you make of it matt green yeah, I think the exact same. You're just the the offense with multiple turnovers in the fir- fourth quarter. Like Ohio State's defense really took over the fourth quarter. Mm. But yeah, to outscore them 
28-17 in, in the fourth quarter after uh, leading, like you said, with nine minutes left. It's definitely uh, – th- this was the formula for beating Ohio State. You just couldn't turn the ball over multiple times and, and to, to end this game. So Penn State had them where they wanted them, but I feel like after watching this game, I think I'm a little – a little more down on Ohio State than I was when the game started. I think versus Iowa, uh, Stroud just had he just looked a little off, like missed some throws that you don't really see him miss. And in this game, he didn't necessarily. I mean, twenty six of thirty three is a really good percentage, but he just there's something about this Ohio State offense. It just it doesn't seem to be clicking uh, like I kind of expected it to, especially eight nine games into the season. So I think. Like you were saying with Michigan over Ohio State, like that would have been blasphemy uh, to me like two, three weeks ago. But but now the more you look at it, like, yeah, I, I probably will still like Ohio State to win that one in the horseshoe. But Michigan is looking just as good these days. So it's it, this was tough. It was obviously a good win because Ohio State's defense did make the plays down the stretch. Um, but the offense is um, and Penn State's got a good defense, you know, so you got to give them some credit there. But. I think they were a little more, a uh, little more human than I was expecting their offense to look. A little more mortal, if you will. For sure, um, TCU stays immortal and undefeated. Uh, Sonny Dykes becomes the first head coach in Big Twelve history to begin eight zero in their first season in the conference. Um, my main takeaway, though, the frogs love to start slow. And they're going to get bitten one of these days. West Virginia almost bit them. Like, they were in this game super late. Like, this could have gone to West Virginia. You Like, you love going to Morgantown and what that can be. JT Daniels <laughs> played four quarters. Like, I hadn't realized that CCU's got a lot of fortune with backup quarterbacks to this point and quarterbacks getting knocked out of the game and things like that. Uh, obviously, with Adrian Martinez week prior, but, like, I don't know. TCU, look, they deserve all the credit in the world. Sonny Dykes has got that thing humming, but... Quinn Johnson, Max Duggan, like they can run the ball. They can throw the ball. Defense makes plays when they need to, but I don't know. Uh, my main takeaway is I just, the slow starts are going to catch, are going to catch up with them at some point. I, I just, there's that part scares me though. What did you make of TCU beating, beating the Mountaineers? Well, and the defense is still allowing 27 points a game. Like you're, mm. you're scoring close to 45, but not necessarily what you want. Like we said, going into this game, any getting out of Mount uh, out of Morgantown, West Virginia, with a victory is is always a success. Weird things seem to happen. I think they caught caught a break with this this noon slot uh, for this one, but um, yeah, I think uh, I was impressed. TCU going on the road, keeping it moving. Yeah, job well done. Yeah, fifth and- team in the country. Uh, dogs on top had this, Matt Green. You know, TCU and the Frogs have something in common. Do you know this? TCU and Georgia? Yes. What's that? Georgia is one of just two teams in FBS to average 300 yards passing and 200 yards rushing per game. The other one, mm. TCU. How about that? And they got National Coach of the Year, Sonny Dykes, running the running the show. So gotta gotta love that. So you saw me quote tweet that one. <laughs> what in the I world was that? I like, mean, he's he's what eight and zero at first year head coach. He, I think he might be the front runner at this point. 
I'm gonna curse. This is gonna pit. I, it's twelve. It's one. Hey, we'll I, I'm about see. to curse. I'm about hey, to curse. Hey, there's a long Hold season. If, if they run, if they run the table, if 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 Tennessee wins the conference, Hype will be national coach of the year. Get but, the uh, fuck out of here! If they go eleven and one and their only losses to Georgia, Hype is still the runaway coach of the year. What are we talking about? Sonny Dykes is in year one, man. He if did... their only loss is to freaking Georgia, who yeah, might win the national Tennessee has no losses, though. Tennessee has what's no losses. Shane, and... What's Shane Beamer's record? That's the better question. You're... What, what are you doing <laughs> to me, Matt Green? Do you want me to self-combust on this podcast? Uh, no, Get I out just, of here with this. No. Were... Coach of the year. That's a big award for you. I just... What do you want him to do? Average 59 a game? Oh, what do you want man. him to do? Beat Alabama twice? I'm just saying, man. If TCU wins the wins the Big 12, who saw that coming? Where were they preseason? preseason it's the Big 12. Division One football. Oh, my goodness. That was some quote. The runaway. The it's the runaway part All for back. me, Matt Green. It's the runaway favorite for me where – I don't know what Josh Heupel did to these voters and what like for them to just treat him with no respect um, in back-to-back seasons at Tennessee co-coach the year newcomer of the year with uh, we don't speak his name on this podcast. And then to follow that up with Sonny Dykes is the runaway coach of the year and Sonny Dykes has done an amazing job, but runaway coach of the year just oh, makes my blood boil, but it's happy times in Rocky top. Uh, don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Um, Matt Green, uh, the Syracuse Orangemen, now on a losing skid. They fall at home to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who, offensive explosion. This was probably the biggest surprise of the weekend for me. Um, uh, we should mention Garrett Trader uh, injured uh, coming in, like, and he just did not look right. That offense wasn't moving. He was struggling. He didn't play the second half. Um, they got blown out 41 points for Notre Dame, which was bonkers. But, like, you look at the stats. Nine completions total for Drew Pine. Barely over 100 yards. Like Michael Mayer did some stuff, but they didn't even really run the ball all that well. Just some bad turnovers by Syracuse. But ultimately, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this because the uh, the storyline coming out of this was like, oh, Notre Dame Clemson just got a lot more interesting. And I look at this and I was like, what Drew Pine are y'all watching? Like what? what I, I get that they can't. What, nice win on the road at Q's, but like, I didn't see that much more to feel great about Notre Dame. Am I crazy? Did you have that same feeling or do you have a different feeling on Notre Dame at this point? No, it's hard for me to get too excited about Notre Dame. I mean, like you said, Drew Pine, 116 yards passing. Like that's, it felt like it was going to be like this felt just with the way Clemson or Syracuse lost that Clemson game. It just felt so demoralizing. Mm-hmm. I, I said going in, I felt like this was going to be a letdown, and then I didn't pick Notre Dame. Mm. I pick, ended up picking Syracuse, and, and that's what it felt like. Just Syracuse, just I don't know. They just they did not look good in this game. Um, but I mean, you got to give credit to Notre Dame for for running all over them. What was what has been a really good Syracuse defense to this point, but they just didn't look like the same team that played against Clemson uh, a week ago. So, yeah, I mean, big win obviously from Notre Dame, but I was I was not impressed with Syracuse this week. No. Um, someone else I was not uh, impressed with, Mr. Decker's quarterback. This is a, I don't know how you did this stat of the week, Matt Green. 
He threw the ball against Oklahoma 57 times and averaged three yards per attempt. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what's going on with the Iowa State Cyclone offense, but the ghost of Seneca Wallace rolling over in his grave watching this offense week over week. <laughs> I uh, I can't confidently say that Seneca Wallace is still alive, but I'm He's still pretty alive. Seneca's sure. still out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not even the Oklahoma defense could solve uh, this Iowa State offense's problems. Like, I mean, almost everyone in the Big 12 has been hanging half a hundred on Oklahoma. So to see them do nothing, turn the ball over several times, yeah, not a, not a good performance. Iowa State looks looks really bad, honestly. And they just – Matt Campbell, I don't know. Interesting uh, where this team's gone since, since 2019, 2020. Yeah, Matt Campbell's not going anywhere is what I'm going to go with that one. Uh, he's kind of locked in there for a little bit for this rebuild. Uh, this kind of year is not looking great. He's going to give Kirk Ferentz a call. He's like, hey, how do you do it, man? How mm-hmm. do you just – and he's going to tell him how to just enjoy life in Iowa for a while. Um, Kansas State with probably – I mean, I said Sarah, Notre Dame surprised me the most. I guess probably – it's not the result because Kansas State's a fantastic football team, but – to shut out Oklahoma State at home in the Little Apple, Kansas State obliterates the Cowboys with their backup. Will, Howard, Macarine, what happened here? Like Mike Gundy said after the game, quote, we got our butt kicked today, got out coached, and they made more plays than us. What we need to do is come up with a plan for things we did wrong coaching-wise and in concept-wise and player-wise. That will be more of a boost for us than anything. Um, so everything's wrong. Like that, that, that statement was like, Oh, other than that, other than that, <laughs> other than that things are going great in Stillwater, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, 35 zero at the half Penn, Kansas state, just, they ran all over Oklahoma state. And we just like, obviously this, this defense has been getting torched by everybody all year, but at least the offense has been scoring and making it fun. Like, man, Kansas state just absolutely put the shackles on the Cowboys. Will Howard, that's my helmet sticker of, mm. of the week. Oh, also Brock Bowers. I forgot to say that one earlier. But yeah, Will Howard, 21 of 37, 296 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Deuce Vaughn, over a buck 50 on the ground. Like Kansas State, man, this Big 12, it's looking real interesting. We got, what do we got? Oklahoma State and Kansas State, I think both tied at like four and two in the conference. No, that was, uh, that was, Oklahoma State's second loss in the conference. Yes. So I can tell you, uh, I can tell you what the standings look like. But yeah, Big 12 is getting real interesting. I think you might be seeing a TCU Kansas State rematch. I think that's possible. Um, I thought this was a funny tweet from Jay Olson sixty two. Oklahoma and Texas uh, leaves Big Twelve. Oklahoma State, we the big boys now. Purple teams, no. <laughs> hey, but don't uh. Don't count out the Texas Longhorns, sir. No one will give up on the Texas Longhorns. Also, that was kind of a joke, but in all seriousness, my Baylor Bears, sir. Mm. Don't sleep on the Baylor Bears right now. They're still 3-2 and two in the conference. They got at Oklahoma this week, Kansas State the following week, TCU the following week, at Texas the week after that. So we'll learn a lot about the Baylor Bears over the next four weeks, playing the 
the preseason two best teams in the Big 12 and the the current two best teams in the Big 12 in the final four weeks. Fox College Football also said this. The last AP top 10 team with a 40-plus point shutout loss was when number 11 Cal defeated number 10 Syracuse 43-0 in 1968. Whew. Wow. Just, you just don't see stuff like this. Like, it was just a bonkers, bonkers result. So Yeah, I was could- thinking, uh, what was it, the playoffs? The year Giants went to the to the Super Bowl and played the, the Ravens that was in mm-hmm. 2000, 2001. Kerry Collins versus Trent Dilfer? Yeah, Kerry Collins. They uh, they beat somebody 41-zip. Maybe the – was it the Rams at that time? I can't remember. But hmm. I remember being front of Sports Illustrated, 41-0. It was uh, – you don't, you don't see 40-point shutouts that often. Are you a Jeremy Shockey guy, Tiki Barber, Jason mm. Seahorn at corner? Much Jason Seahorn. Got to love some Jason Seahorn. Uh, without a doubt, who – Tiki Barber was definitely on that team, right? Yeah. 2001. Um, man, that's, Jerry that's Shockey, probably, uh, what's his name? Imani Toomer. Imani um, Toomer is definitely on that team. That's a good, maybe Ike Hilliard might be on so. that team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's before Jeremy Shockey, though, because he was probably still at Miami. Mm. Uh, like 01. 2000 to 01 because he was on that 01 Miami team for sure. But okay, yeah, Plaxico Burris would have been on the Steelers probably 2000. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there, I know. Yeah, he wasn't there yet. But uh, Amani Toomer, that's a good pull right there, sir. There we go. All this stuff it could be filled with like, hey, economics, how to budget. No, Amani Toomer on the 2001 New York Giants. That's where my brain goes. I'm gonna have to look up the that roster because the Tiki Barber doesn't sound right to me now. But I'm gonna get to back. I'm gonna get back to you. Um, he's been retired for a long time, man. It's got to be Tiki. Um, we're going to Louisville. Another bonkers result, Matt Green. The Louisville Cardinals uh pounce on six straight wake turnovers. 35 nothing cards in the third quarter eight turnovers as a whole um louisville scored 35 points um in the third quarter uh, versus number 10 wake it was the most ever scored against an ap top 10 opponent in one quarter that's insane like this was i mean i did not see this coming at all it's a maybe a job saver for scott satterfield at home Uh, my old friend tion evans had a really good day uh, for the cards gone but not forgotten Tion Evans but uh, man just unbelievable pick sixes fumbles this had an unbelievable you never see meltdowns like this from a top 10 team uh, in college football but Wake Forest just part of a bad luck but goodness gracious I've never seen anything like it like that is bonkers what did you make of it Matt Green Without a doubt. Um, first thing, let me go back to the 2000 New York Giants. <laughs> I know the listeners want to hear this. You were correct about Tiki Barber being on mm. that team. Uh, Ron Dane was the uh, second running back on that squad. They beat the Vikings 41-0 in the uh, conference championship, so that's what I was thinking of. Okay. Um, so just wanted to confirm that. But onto the Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, and their absolutely atrocious second half of football. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read for you their drive-by-drive drive second half uh, results here. Uh, they had a pick six, fumble, fumble, interception, fumble, punt, pick six, fumble, interception, 
And once they were down a solid four touchdowns or so, I think then they decided to score a touchdown. But yeah, awful, awful result, awful result from a team that's just been so explosive offensively for most of the season. So yeah, don't know what happened. They just decided to get all their turnovers out in, in one fail swoop in the second half of that football game. I've just I've never seen anything like it. Man, and we probably won't for a long time. Like the odds of something like that happening again, pretty slim. Uh, speaking of rough second halves, Nebraska was shut out in the second half by the vaunted, vaunted Illinois fighting Illini defense. Um, Nebraska, Casey Thompson got knocked out in this one, but with the win, the uh, Illinois is now number one sole possession, first place, Big Ten West. Um, they outrushed uh, Nebraska significantly with Chase Brown and company, 188 to 60. The only chance that they really had Nebraska had in this one was Trey Palmer had to have a game of his life and beat these uh, Illinois defenders deep. And uh, Nebraska just didn't do it. Didn't run the ball. You're not going to outrun, uh, outrush Brett Bielema on this uh, Illini team, but you're going to beat them over the top and uh, test them deep. And they were not able to do so. Illinois, like they do every week, dominated time possession. But shout out to the Brett Bielemas. They're uh, they're killing it uh, in Champaign. Great story this year. Great story by the NI and I. What'd you make of it? Without a doubt, Illinois just keeps on keeps on churning. Um, a touchdown in this game for uh, an Isaiah Williams for for Illinois. Do we know? Is there a relation to Juice Williams there? Isaiah I don't think Williams. So. I don't know. But um, yeah, so this is a good performance for for uh, Illinois. Just keep the thing moving, and they're they're in second place, and they've they've beaten or they're in first place, and they've beaten Minnesota and Purdue already, mm-hmm. right? If they play both of them, so yes. they're they're. Uh, wait, no, Purdue. They still do have to play. Purdue oh, they do. Right? But Purdue's out. They have a couple losses now. I don't think Purdue is. They're going to make up some ground. I mean, Purdue is what they're three and two in the conference. So okay. Purdue's right there. I just. This Illinois team just looks better than Purdue, I think, right now. I think where is that that game is is at home for Illinois. So, so Can we'll I see. Wish for something, Illinois fans, don't get mad at me. Purdue, What's Ohio that? State would be a better Big Ten title game than Illinois, Ohio State. Can I say that? Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, t- uh, Ohio State, Illinois gives you gives you some of those. Um, Tennessee, Kentucky vibes. Yeah. Um, uh, but on it, but Illinois has been a lot better than Kentucky. They that's that's what Kentucky wants to be, is what Illinois has been this, mm-hmm. this year. And they've actually been able to run the ball and, and play really good defense. So I don't know. With what we've seen, the way Penn State gave Ohio State problems, like Illinois has been a more effective team to this point in the year than Penn State. So I'm uh I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Count out the the fighting Illini just yet, sir. That's fair. Um, Matt Green, uh, we also have uh, UCF taken down. Cincy, you tried to kick them off my pick em, and thankfully you did not because my UCF Knights win over uh, the Bearcats. No, Basically, no Desmond Ritter. Bryant's just not the dude. He just – he – had a lot of opportunities like uh, John Reese Plumley got knocked out in this one. Mikey Keene comes in, does what he needs to do. Um, Gus Bazan said after the game for him to step up at that moment and seize that moment on the last drive, that dude is a winner with a capital W. Um, but yeah, 48 seconds. They take the lead and end up winning and uh, knocking off uh, the Bearcats for an AAC loss. First one in a long time for Cincy. Their other loss was obviously out of conference to 
Arkansas earlier this year, but UCF gets it done uh, in Orlando. Good team. You guess Malzahn's got him cooking. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, this was a big time win for UCF. And I will say, while we did not pick it on the podcast, I uh, it was still a part of the group pick that I was a part mm. of. And I'll have you know, sir, this game, I think, went a long way to me winning the the group pick pool that I was involved in this week. I know, don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm going to toot, toot away. Um, so, yeah, UCF. I was one of the only people that picked UCF this week, and uh, I felt good about it. Uh, the big-time win for uh, Cincinnati. I look, I'm look. i looking ahead. I hate to look ahead in these uh, in the AAC because I feel like anything can happen kind of in these – in these conferences, especially going to a team like Memphis. But November 12th, sir, at Tulane, UCF at Tulane, I think we could get college game day in, in New Orleans for that one. That's a potentially monster matchup for the AAC. Uh, Tulane, what are they, ranked in the top 20 now? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if, 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 the, if the Knights can – Take care of business against Memphis this week and set up a big time matchup in the AAC. I like it. I like it. Um, last one, Matt Green, because um, we're not spending any amount of time on Arkansas and Auburn. Uh, Auburn gets blown out uh, yet again. It's bad. Auburn stinks. A friend of um, mine went to Vegas and he was like, "Hey, what uh, what games do you like? You know?" And and I gave him like, "Oh, you know, this couple." kind of tough i feel whatever about a couple games but here you go here's like two or three games he's like perfect thanks man then he comes back i'm gonna i pick these three games none of the games i gave him i was like why'd you ask my advice one of the games i gave him advice on um not this texas a and m but it was i thought uh, this was a, a joke i thought you were doing a bit this whole time and this is real life okay this is no, a real this story really happened. and okay. then one of the games i gave him i was like arkansas is a three-point favorite over auburn mm. like that's super small auburn's terrible and mm. he didn't listen to that one he took south south carolina was one of the, the ones he picked but you know and i said I even i even gave him the stat about penn state i was like Six straight matchups between Penn State and Ohio State have been decided by 13 points or less. 16 is a lot. And he went with Ohio State. So, you know, can't, you know, can't, you can, what was the expression? You can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Mm. So, you know, what can you do? But yeah, Arkansas, the, the three-point line with uh, Arkansas-Auburn, I thought was was interesting. I guess um, they thought Jordan-Hare might make up for a little bit of the home field advantage there, but yeah, Arkansas took care of business. Auburn, Harson, was it? It's a ticking time bomb at this point. Yeah. Um, last one, Matt Green, AM. The one positive, uh, they have a quarterback. Connor Wagman is a good player and passed all over Old Miss on Saturday. I don't know why it took this long to get to Connor, but uh, he's a good player. Uh, Lane Kiffin continues his amazing troll job in this one. Old Miss blitzes him in the second half to come back. A huge, huge win for Old Miss on the road at Kyle Field. Um, Kiffin told the SEC Network after the game, I don't know, maybe Jimbo has a Joker outfit for me as to what uh, Halloween costume he was going to wear uh, this year. Kiffin was seen shouting at that Texas A&M player for, and let me just, as a Tennessee guy and as someone who experienced the Tennessee Old Miss game last year, Kiffin, who I'm pro Kiffin on this podcast, everyone knows this for him to uh, get really upset about the faking of injuries by Texas A&M in this one. 
was <laughs> just a little too much. That's a bridge too far where we can replay the old Miss uh, faking of injuries of uh, last year in Knoxville with the mustard bot uh, and golf balls. We can revisit it if we need to, but that's where I draw the line on uh, the on uh, Lane Kiffin's antics. But uh, big win. Uh, he was mad. But basically, you got to watch the video. Just look up Lane Kiffin uh, faking injuries, and you'll find the video of mm-hmm. him just being like, "Fall down." He's basically saying, "Fall down and fake the injury" or something uh, as he's walking on the field. But uh, you got to watch it. It's it's funny. But Kiffin, good sense of humor all week about this matchup, and clearly some animosity between him and Jimbo. I think for it to keep going and him just to keep poking the bear like that. But um, man, what a what a big win for Old Miss. Judkins is a dude. He's now, I think, over a thousand yards. The freshman. We thought coming into the year that it was going to be Zach Evans, Zach Evans, Zach Evans, former five-star kid, as you know, Georgia legend Zach Evans. Um, <laughs> and it's not. It's uh, Judkins who is just fantastic. Um, Jackson Dart ran the ball like seventeen times in this game, and that's when Ole Miss is at their best with this group. Is like not Jackson Dart the air, not asking Jackson Dart to be. Um, hooker through the air Bryce Young through the air it's asking him to be Matt Corral <laughs> and that's what Matt Corral excelled at so much is those carries and he that Old Miss being such a pain in the butt when their quarterbacks on the move like that um I don't know Old Miss huge win now they're what seven and one on the season um big big win for the reps what did you make of this one Matt Green yeah uh I think you, you definitely hit it. I, I think we thought uh, Zach Evans was going to be the the difference in this in this old and they're eight and one actually now on the season. eight and one yeah uh, I, yeah we all thought Zach Evans was going to be like you know this breakout player for their offense but Judkins like this guy is an absolute workhorse thirty four carries two hundred five yards they had almost four hundred yards rushing in this game. Um, I felt like Jackson Dart's legs, I felt like, were the difference in this game. He was making a lot of plays. But Zach Evans is also still there. And so as like the as the third option or so in this offense, he's just he's a real X factor. It's like he, he he's he's had some durability issues uh this year, but this old miss offense just it's it's got a it's just got a real quick strike ability. And I'm I'm excited for for uh, when they play Alabama in a couple weeks, I think that that's good. They're going to give them some problems, but A&M, like you said, with, with Connor Wegman, I thought it feels like they found their quarterback now. Like we can start to, we can start to go from here. It's if our coach is, is this QB whisperer and uh, this offensive guru, I would have liked to think he would, he would have found him before the, the ninth, eighth, ninth game of the season, you know? So maybe that's a whole other conversation, but yeah, AM had a shot in this one, but ultimately they just they couldn't get enough stops. And Ole Miss just if you're gonna average six yards a carry, like you're you're gonna run for 400 yards, like you're gonna win a lot of games that way. Well, that's all I've got, Matt Green. Anything you would like to as we wrap up here on our uh week what? What is this week 10 recap show? Week nine recap show. This was show? week nine. We got week yeah. 10 coming up. Man, uh any other game you wanted to touch on real quick before we wrap up? No, that's all I got, sir. This is uh, this is gonna be a a great week for the podcast. Georgia, Tennessee. This is what this this is what this podcast is built for. So I'm excited for uh for Wednesday night. This should be a lot of fun. It uh, hopefully it's not a blowout either way. That would stink. I hope this is a memorable one. Like I don't know if my heart rate can handle Alabama, Tennessee all over again, but something close is 
what the doctor needs. Like, I want this to be a close back and forth. I want this to be a one possession game late in the fourth. That's that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping this is just an unbelievable like who has possession last type game. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I think you're going to see the last time I can remember Kirby Smart kind of calling out the fan base uh, was before that Arkansas noon kickoff last year. And it was an absolute ridiculous uh, showing from the fans, just absolutely packed environment, super loud at noon. You just don't really see that lots of times. It was a ridiculous atmosphere. A lot of people say like that may have been the loudest it was. With this being such a limited slate of home schedule this year for Georgia, just not very many just games to really get you excited. I think this this fan base has really been chomping at the bit for like a big time electric atmosphere. I think it's like, Wait, has Kirby I, called out the fans for this game? He yeah, he said something about like if you can if you can talk on Sunday, then you weren't yelling loud enough on Saturday or something like mm. that. Like he so some sort of quote like that. So He's uh he's trying to uh trying to excite the fans, get them get them in uh just get it to be loud, man. It's gonna be a big one for sure. So I'm uh I'm Kirby excited. Smart, 2026 Tennessee DC. Who says no? If he wants that atmosphere, look no further than Neyland Stadium. Look no further. I don't even know. I don't even know how to respond to that. Georgia Sanford Stadium is is a very loud atmosphere, sir. And if you didn't know after Saturday uh, in San Francisco Stadium, you will you are sure to find out. And a lot of Georgia fans complaining about the no night games. It's uh it's become a storyline. I think be the first national defending national champion to potentially not have a home night game since Michigan in '98 after the '97 season. Hmm. Um, are y'all not going to have one all year? Unless the Georgia Tech game is a night game, then no, there won't be a home night game the entire season. However, huh. this 3.30 slate, first weekend of November, day game to start with, night game, third, fourth quarter, this is what SEC football was built on, people. Mm. So this it's, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. I'm, uh, I'm excited for it. I, but I you'll hope, also uh, be on – it's just the home didn't work out. Like you'll be probably at night for Mississippi State. You'll probably be at night against Kentucky too, those right? Those could both be at night. Yeah, yeah, and the Missouri was at night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of night games, but they just haven't been at home, unfortunately. Home night game, yeah. I think the night the home night game gets people going for sure, for sure. But it is kind of annoying, I will say, as someone who just did it this weekend, waiting around all day when you've got like you want to watch the other games and you're taking notes, but it's still kind of frustrating that you're like, okay, I, I'm ready for this game to start, I'm yeah. ready to start my night as a fan uh, i definitely prefer that 330 slot yeah 330 is clutch that's the, the one you the want. noon games get you going get you prepped you know little preliminary fights and then uh you don't want to wait around all day get your get your 330 in get home at a reasonable time if you went somewhere to watch the game so yeah it's a uh, give me the 330 slot all day i'm curious to see what espn does once they own all the sec rights if, if the 330 slot is still the is still the prime number one slot. It should be. It's just the best. Like, yeah, no, it should be. I hope that that's what they do, but we'll see. Um, I mean, they still value the seven o'clock spot too. That's like the second best game of the week. So that's probably what they would stick with is what I would assume. Um, all right, Matt Green. Well, that's all I've got, my friend. Uh, recap or preview show coming up Wednesday, in just a couple days, week 10. Everything on the line, Georgia, Tennessee, only one team, 
can win. It's not the NFL. Somebody has to walk out of Athens as the victor. Yes, you got your hand raised. Also, uh, low-key storyline. We're all talking about the SEC East being decided on Saturday, but not yeah. me talking about the SEC West potentially being decided on Saturday with Alabama LSU. That's, I mean, that's a big one. I mean, we got, Bama's got some big time games down the stretch. So like Bama's not a lock for the SEC title or the SEC yeah. West title. You still got at LSU and at Ole Miss, right? Aren't those both yeah. on the road? Yeah, yeah. Those are the next two weeks, both on the road. So it'll be interesting. man, that'd be something. I Hey, maybe my dream of Lane Kiffin versus Tennessee in the SEC title game this fall or this winter is not. You don't want that though. It's I like, absolutely it's want like that. the Cleveland, uh, Chicago world series. It was like, ah, the Cubs they're here, but it's like, well, yeah, it's also been like 70 years since the Indians won it. They're, they're also trying to, uh, to break. No, some we want to go ahead and beat them. And you want to be beat so the Yankees. Fun. You know, you want to, you want to beat out, beat the juggernaut. To, to win I absolutely do not want Alabama twice. That is not something I want. That's fair. Iota. That's but when you already beat Alabama, so you don't and beat the crap out of LSU. So it's LSU, to, bring it on! Like absolutely, bring play. LSU. So there. from that perspective, Ole Miss, Tennessee would be the that's the best SEC matchup uh, that has Tennessee in it, so that we don't see a rematch. But I yeah. guess Georgia, Georgia, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, or Georgia, Ole Miss, for that matter. No, no rematches there. There you go, uh, Matt Green. Always a pleasure, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.